Today on the podcast, we look at God's love to us, and uh, we're going to look at his love to us when life hurts the most. Uh, This is one of those areas that proves especially challenging for us to grasp, uh, but we must learn this lesson, and we do in the life and the ministry of our Savior. Uh, Because it's relatively easy to see and feel God's love when things are going well in life. But what about when sickness hits? Uh, What about when we feel weak? What about when we come to the end of our resources? Even as we approach the end of life, how do we feel God's love and his purposes in our deepest pain? For that answer, we turn to Jesus and watch how he handled the sickness of his good friend Lazarus in John chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. There are lessons here for all of God's people. And to explain what they are, here's Pastor John from a 2019 sermon preached in Northern Ireland. Here he is. Verse 1 again. Now, a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, a village of Mary and her sister, Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So... When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Focus on verses 1 and 2 just for a moment. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with her ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. The striking thing about verse 2 is that hasn't happened yet in the Gospel of John. What? That's odd. That, that's going to happen in chapter 12, verse 3. One chapter later, that event, verse 2. Mary's going to anoint the Lord with her hair. And he says to the reader, this Mary who's asking him to come, that's the Mary who did that. I haven't told you she did it yet, but that's the one I'm talking about. What's the point of that? That's the first instance in this text of how Jesus is going to draw out the endearing, special, sweet, deep, precious relationship between Jesus and this family. He's reaching forward to get a remarkable moment in the life of this woman who's going to love Jesus like that and mentions her that way here. So we can conclude at least... This is special between Jesus and this family, especially Mary. Now, verse 3. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So this is now, I would say, the second instance of drawing out. He loves this family. Now he's mentioning Lazarus in particular. This man loves this family. And Jesus is, is underlining it. He loves them, and he makes it explicit. 
He's not dealing with a casual acquaintance saying, please come. He's sick. Verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness is not going to lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So the first thing Jesus does is connect the, the news of Lazarus' sickness with the glory of God. Not many people think this way, and we need to. He put it in relationship to the glory of God. It's about the glory of God. It's about the glory of the Son of God, who's going to be glorified through it. So take a deep breath, Mary and Martha. This is all about my glory. Not going to go the way you think, and it's not going to go the way you want. It's about my glory. This illness does not lead to death. The point of this illness is not death. It is the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. It's like you probably remember chapter 9, the blind man. And the disciples say, who sinned, this, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, it's not because his parents sinned or that he sinned. It's so that the works of God might be seen. All these years of blindness are about glory. Same thing here. This death, he's going to die. And Jesus knows he's going to die. He's going to let him die intentionally. We'll see that in just a minute. And it's all about glory. Here comes the third time for love in verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha. So there it is the third time. He loved her, loved Mary, loved Lazarus, loved Martha. Now, Jesus loved Martha. So I'm, I'm overstating it, aren't I? When I say it's all about glory. No, it's not all about glory. It's largely about love. And that's what clobbered me in this text. Right? This is about underlining three times. He loved them. He loved them. He loved them. He let him die. That's what's striking. So verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So surely John the writer is writing this to help us come to terms in our experience with what the love of God is like for you. What is it like to be loved by Jesus? It's like this. Love is not a minor theme in these six verses. It is a major theme. Three times he's saying he loved them. He loved them. He loved them. That's, he doesn't want you to miss that. And he wants you to put yourself in that situation and say, okay, I've been told that since I was little. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And I, I don't feel loved a lot of times. And these texts, this one in particular, is in the Bible to help turn our world upside down when it comes to understanding the love of Jesus. Because the world doesn't get this. The world has no categories for understanding this kind of love that we're about to see. But you should. 
Apart from the Holy Spirit, this text is in, inexplicable. Here's the second thing to think about. I think John, in writing chapter 11, is intentionally inviting us to see our own resurrection in relationship to Lazarus's, our death and our resurrection as parallel to Lazarus's. Why do I think that? You might want to drop your eyes down to verses 23 and 26. 23 to 26. See if you think I'm right about this. Jesus said to her, to Martha, your brother will rise again. So when he gets there, he gives them the hope. He's going to rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day. Now, here's the connection. Jesus, Jesus could have said, yes, and isn't that wonderful news? What he said was, I am that resurrection of the last day. And I'm just, I just showed up. That resurrection has come into the world. That power, that control, that life-giving force is me. And I'm here. And let's show you right now what that's going to be like. Because I want you, Martha, and all of you to put the connection between Lazarus' experience and what you will experience. So he continues, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. In other words, my, my raising your brother from the dead will be what will happen to you. Which means that the way to think about Lazarus' death is as a, a forerunner, a little trailer of ours, our death and our resurrection. So now, as you step back then and think about Lazarus has died and Jesus didn't go and he let him die because he loved him. You shouldn't whitewash that, diminish that, minimize that by saying, oh, he's going to raise him four days later. Because he's going to raise you too. And the distance between your resurrection and the coming of Jesus when it will happen, your, your death and the coming of Jesus when the resurrection will happen, the distance between that is a length of time that compares to four days as nothing compared to eternity. There's nothing. So the difference between your death and resurrection and Lazarus' death and four days later rising are virtually the same. Except yours is better. You never die again. Poor Lazarus, he had to go through this twice. So if you're going to minimize Lazarus's experience, you better minimize your own. Say, no, no big deal to die. I'm going to rise in four days anyway. I mean, more or less. And you don't do that. You know you don't do that. You don't minimize your death. You don't minimize your loved one's death. You take it seriously. You groan, you grieve, you ache. And, and that's the way we should feel this. So let's look again at the logic of verses 5 and 6, because this is the main point I want you to feel, because it 
it turns your, your world upside down. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and, and Lazarus. Therefore, because of that love, you with me logically? I don't want to add anything here. don't want to make anything up. Therefore, because of that love, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Therefore, because of that love, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And that's what we have to understand. How is that love? How is it love? That's what we're supposed to see. John intends, Jesus intends for everybody who reads this to ask that about your experience. He loves them, therefore he does not heal them. He loves them, therefore he does not save him from death. John intends, Jesus intends for us to ask this about ourselves. How are we loved when we're dying? He doesn't heal him. He just lets him die. How is that love? The answer is given, I believe, in verse 4. You just have to think a little bit. This illness does not lead to death. In other words, the, the, he's going to die, but that's not the point. What is the point? It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So the point of his death is not death. The point of his death is to reveal the glory of God, and particularly the glory of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So now you step back and you say, okay, the so at the beginning of verse 6 says that the meaning of the delay and the death is love. And verse 4 says that the meaning of the delay and the death is the glory of God. And what would you do? I mean, how would you preach the sermon from here on out? What, what would you draw out for your life? Here's what I draw out. The world doesn't understand what love is. What, what is love? Love is doing what you need to do in order to reveal most fully and most durably the all-satisfying glory of God in Jesus. To be loved is to be shown glory. The glory of God. If we're not a God-centered people who see God himself in his son as the greatest treasure, the most beautiful reality, the most all-satisfying friend, experience, and father, if we're not that way, that makes no sense. You go out and do an average interview on the street with any unbelieving person in Belfast and say, what is love? They won't go here. They won't say, to love is to have anything happen to me. Life, death, sickness, anything that will show me more of God. 
Nobody's going to say that. That's true. If God is all to you, it's true. If God is minor, if God is marginal, if your life is your most important thing, if your kids are your most important thing, your marriage is most important, your health is most important, that won't make any sense. But if God is all, if God is beautiful, if God is the supreme treasure of your life, then to have more of him is to be loved. That's the point of the so at the beginning of verse 6. So here's my definition of love based on this text. Love is doing whatever you have to do or whatever God has to do at whatever cost, whatever you have to do in order for the glory of God to be shown. Love is doing whatever you have to do or whatever God has to do at whatever cost in order for the glory of God to be shown. That's profound. And that was from John Piper's sermon on John 11 titled, Even When It Hurts, How Christ Reveals Himself in Pain. A sermon preached in Northern Ireland on August 11, 2019. The entire sermon is available online right now. And uh, if you have a sermon clip to share, email me. Give me your name, hometown, the sermon title. Uh, the timestamp of uh, where the clip happens in the audio and make a note of what stands out to you. Put the word clip in the subject line of an email and send it to me at askpastorjohn at desiringgod.org. That's an email address, askpastorjohn at desiringgod.org. Friday, we return with a new episode for you, episode number 1800. <laughs> Amazing. I'm your host, Tony Ranky. Pastor John is back with me on Friday for that. We'll see you then. <laughs>